Welcome back to another episode of the Wild Expansion podcast. So usually these episodes are all about things that can better your quality of life and bring you more inner peace. This podcast episode is an exception, but I think it's very valuable that we talk about it. And that is that it is to do with the war going on in Ukraine right now. The person I am speaking to in this interview is from Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, and she is very aware of the politics and the history between Ukraine and Russia. And she shares light on the situation in this episode just to keep you up to date and informed of what actually is going on in the front line that might not be portrayed in the news. So I think it's really important that we do understand what's going on in the world sometimes to help us pray for people who are in less fortunate positions than us. I do believe that our nervous systems aren't programmed to handle the world news because it's a lot and we come from ancestors of tribes where we only deal with the tribal issues. So dealing with global affairs is really hard on our immune system and I personally don't watch the news ever. I think if anything is that important we do find out about it through word of mouth or through friends and I just feel like this is a really important conversation to have. It is an exception but this is a dear friend of mine Anna who is from Ukraine so I think that it's just really yeah important to realize that People are suffering in the world and our prayers, our faith, our our support can really help make a difference and I hope it just encourages us to tap into that compassionate part of ourselves this episode so that we can just really empathise with others and realise that we are all one, we are all connected and our thoughts and good intentions can make a difference. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. So hello Anna, welcome to the Wild Expansion Podcast. Hi Myra, so glad to be with with you in your podcast. Yes, so Anna you're my friend that I met in China a few years back and you're from Ukraine. So um, you brought me over to Kiev and showed me around your family, the countryside, the, the people and it was just, it's such an incredible place. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> yeah. So what was life like growing up in Ukraine? Oh, okay. Um, well, actually, when I was growing up in Ukraine, I did not sort of, you know, appreciate it as much as, you know, now looking back. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm here in the UK, and obviously I've been here for 10 years, and I, I think many people are like me right now because now when the whole war started, you sort of look back and you you have so many memories and you you miss it so much and only now you sort of fully appreciate what what you've had so in a way it's like that with me because you've asked me that question I never thought about it before but now that you know there is a war in Ukraine I'm sort of like oh growing up in Ukraine was great it was you know it's home it's so people are so friendly and nice and you know and I miss it so much Mm. And whenever I went there to Kiev, there seemed like 
even back, what year was it, 2018 or 17? It seemed like mm. there's an ongoing like divide between Russia and Ukraine. So there's a history yeah. there. Yeah, um, I don't know if you remember, I've sort of, well, we discussed it a few times, I think, and obviously I've tried to highlight that on my social media as well. I think especially after 2014, because in 2014 was that um, moment when Russia sort of illegally annexed Crimea and um, they tried to sort of take some parts of the east of Ukraine and claim to protect the Russian-speaking native population of those areas. I think that was sort of a breaking point when quite quite a lot of Ukrainians sort of started even, even more uh, trying to speak Ukrainian and learn Ukrainian and, you know, try and sort of connect themselves more to mainland Europe rather than to Russia. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's it, and I mean that has been going on even before that because obviously um, Ukrainian history is very long and complex and quite a lot of it has to do with Russian oppression. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but we went to this um, museum of the famine that was imposed by the Russians in Ukraine. I'm sure you remember that. And you've mentioned that there is something similar in, obviously, historically, there was something similar in Ireland as well, right? Okay, yeah. So basically, you, Russia invaded Ukraine like 100 over 100 years ago around that and they took your food and supplies from your land to feed Russian people so that you didn't have food? Not, not quite so in the 1930s uh, Ukraine was part of the uh, USSR mm-hmm. the Soviet Union and at the time because Russia obviously the the um, Russia was the main country that sort of formed USSR and there were other countries such as Kazakhstan, um, you know, Latvia, Lithuania, uh, Poland, I think, was part of USSR as well. So all those countries that formed USSR, but Russia uh, deliberately wanted to, A, um, kill religion, kill culture, um, kill the language of other countries that were part of USSR so that they sort of um, submit to Russia and the rule of Moscow. So what they did at the time was that they took, yes, they took the food from those poorer, um, in their view, countries, other countries such as Ukraine. And I think they, they did something in Kazakhstan as well. So, um, and maybe in some other countries, but they just took food in order for people to submit to Russia to feel, you know, that it's Russia who feeds them, it's Russia who has to, you know, who they have to serve in the way at the time. And how did it go about that Ukraine was part of USSR? And was at any stage Ukraine happy with being part of it? Um, well, that's a very sort of complicated question because, uh, I mean, the, the way, obviously, it's a very complicated question in history because obviously the way USSR was formed is that there was Imperial Russia and there was the Tsars, the kings of Russia at the time who were overthrown. There was a revolution. And, that, and then the USSR was formed, and it was formed of different countries that are now independent, obviously. But at the time, it was all sort of mixed. So at the time when USSR was formed, Ukraine was part of it, was a part of Russia, part of it was under Poland, and Crimea, the little bit that Russia annexed in 2014 recently, um, I think the ethnic minority is Crimean Tatars, but they sort of had affiliates with Turkey, actually. Um, and there was Crimean War as well at some point. So it's, it, it's a very complex question. History is very um, different. I mean, not not all people wanted the USSR in general. That's why the revolution happened. Some people supported the kings at the time. Some people tried to form their own little governments, but that didn't happen. And obviously, the USSR sort of just took everybody in. Mm-hmm. 
complicated question. <laughs> very complicated, yeah. And like, what's a like, what do you think is not being shown on the media of Ukraine now, like in BBC, ITV, or whatever that you you see happening back home whenever you're chatting to your friends and family? Like, what are the key things you think people aren't aware about? I think the media coverage is quite um, quite quite good, to be honest, because obviously I've quite quite a lot of media talking about Ukraine. I think the more we it's been today, I think it's been 64 days since the war started in Ukraine. And I think the longer um, the war is going, the less sort of media starts talking about it. Because at the beginning, it was like every day I would see it every day. I would see my friends posting about it. Um, today, it's just a bit less and less. Although um, the war is still going on, the people are still suffering, the people are still dying. So I think it's maybe it's not as much about what is like about certain things that media are not reporting because media are reporting that there is war still going mm-hmm. but it's just about um doing it more often and also highlighting the fact that people still need help at uh, the ways to help the ways to donate the ways to um help with um humanitarian crisis to send food supplies what's needed i think that's what media should concentrate on mm-hmm. um because media for example one thing that media is not talking about is oh, how much food is needed in Mariupol? Because people are not eating. How to deliver that food, what to do, how to help. I think that would be more sort of productive than just potentially reporting certain things. Mm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the war is so ongoing. Like, how is this allowed? You know, like it's 2022. Like... Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Obviously, there are other wars and conflicts going on around the world such as you know israel palestine um you know syria and these are some of the comments that i see on quite um on quite a lot of media reports about ukraine is that oh um for example we did this protest mm-hmm. in london where we were all wearing sort of national outfits and the comments that we got under our protest posts were, oh, where were you girls when the war in Syria was happening or the war in like Palestine was happening or Afghanistan? And obviously, I appreciate the fact that a lot of people are concerned about a lot of conflicts around the world. For me, obviously, Ukraine is very personal. And for everybody who was at the protest, they were mostly Ukrainian girls who, you know, we, we feel quite personal about Ukraine and want to help and we're doing as much as we can. Um, although that obviously it doesn't mean that other issues in the world are not important um, it's your roots you know you're gonna stand up for your roots regardless of where you yeah. live in the world yeah yeah exactly yeah i just i just can't get over how like united nations and all are you know allowing putin to get away with this it's bizarre yeah, yeah it, it's quite bizarre and it's quite bizarre that um I mean, the United Kingdom has been one of the most supportive countries out of the whole world, actually. Um, some countries, they still sort of haven't decided what their position is. And I think, I mean, it's so obvious that Russia is doing this really horrible thing. And there, you know, there is obviously propaganda in Russia, but I think you can't really just stay quiet and say nothing I think you should have an opinion on this and especially in the 21st century when we have you know free speech social media um, it's completely different to World War II when people some people weren't aware of what's happening some people didn't know about the concentration camps and things like that now it's all out there you know so it's it is completely completely mad that some people stay quiet or some people believe in Russian propaganda or whatever 
Well, like, what is Russia doing, like, on a daily basis right now, on the 27th of April, 2022, whenever we're... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wouldn't know what they do. <laughs> um, what do you mean, um, Russian they, people? So they're still actively invading and killing every day? Yes. Um, yes. So, uh, I'm from Kiev, as you know. Um, Kiev, they were trying to take Kiev. They... I'm not sure if they, well, they failed, yes. Partially because of our army who sort of kicked them out, partially because of their own mistakes and partially because they've decided to um, change their mind about taking Kiev. They realized that they can't because the resilience was too much for them to handle. So they've decided to move their forces to the east and to the south, mm -hmm. taking control of some um, major cities in the south and in the east and they're not allowing humanitarian corridors for example for the civilians who want to leave to ukraine they're they're shooting at civilians who come out and say we're against this we don't want this peaceful protests um in, in city of Kherson, actually they're today they're trying to have a referendum where people under guns have to go and vote whether they want to be part of russia and people came out with Ukrainian flags and they're saying, we don't want this, but they're shooting at them. So, <laughs> so people have a gun to their head, forced to vote for a referendum where they want to be Russian power, but oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously there are thousands and thousands of videos and people are just peacefully standing there with Ukrainian flags and they're saying, we don't want this. And they're shooting at their legs as they're standing there. Oh my God. Ukraine comes across as one of like the most loyal countries that people are just so loyal to their country. Like, why do you think that is? Or um, I think it's also because of the complicated history and because of years of sort of Russian um, oppression. I think maybe in a way it's a bit similar to Ireland because I think we've discussed it with you and obviously Irish people are quite patriotic and they say that they're Irish and you know even the passport you can have a UK passport but you can have an Irish passport and you choose specifically to have an Irish passport right mm -hmm. for that reason yeah it's I think it's history has a lot to do with it yeah it's crazy yeah because Russia always invaded and you have just made you get stronger and closer yeah yeah, yeah. and the way the way the way Russia is doing it is I, I don't know if you've heard about those atrocities, I mean, I'm sure you've, you've seen my social media as well, about those, you know, atrocities in some uh, towns near Kiev, actually, Bucha is one of them, which has been all over social media and all over the um, news, which is a small town near Kiev, where they killed one third of the population, and um, 400 adults and children were raped. Oh. So, I mean, how can you not be loyal to your country? and be loyal to, you know, people who do this, because it's not just the Russian government, it's not just, but it's Russian soldiers mm. who are doing that, who have families in Russia, who have wives in Russia, who are, so it's the whole, you know, country of people who support violence. Not to say that, I mean, there are some people in Russia, of course, who are against it, but actually, I think it's the minority. Yeah, it's a lot of the soldiers must just be brainwashed right now, and they're how how brainwashed can you be to sort of rape somebody, you know? It must be crazy. What are, so Russia's like a, a communist country, isn't it? Mm, not officially, but oh, okay. uh, mentally. <laughs> what are the main like differences in culture between Ukraine and Russia? Again, very long question to answer. If you're, if you're asking just about culture, uh, I mean, 
historically Ukraine is actually so um, if we talk about history Ukraine's history is actually much um, um, older than the history of Russia because Kiev was um, a capital of um, a country at the time which was called Kiev Rus which was around 800s after Christ so here 800 900 we had Kiev Rus which was this uh, very rich um, country at the time 800 900 I mean after the birth of Christ so imagine thousand one thousand five hundred years ago at the time Russia didn't exist there was no Moscow no St. Petersburg it didn't exist so then actually Russia is much younger historically than Ukraine mm-hmm. so obviously that's one big difference and that's something that um, we keep trying to tell them that you know we're actually an older country with a, an older history and you know um, obviously culturally you know we talk about outfits foods you know it's a whole the whole culture is different. The language is different. The is there people more are, hmm? Is there more freedom in Ukraine, like in terms of choice or? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, of course. Because even if you look, for example, at, so you've started by asking whether Russia is communist. They're not communist, but they do have some um, totalitarian views. Like, for example, they've had the same president for God knows how long, 20 years at this point. Mm-hmm. Ukraine obviously had democratic elections. We've changed our government since 91. I don't know, five times, something like, like democratically every time. In Russia, it's just Putin. And obviously in Belarus, it's just Lukashenko. And that's one of the signs of, you know, totalitarianism when you have just one ruler who is this divine person that you trust in and you don't have any freedom and you have a lot of money invested in police and um, that stops, for example, democratic protests and other human rights from being there. Obviously in Ukraine, it's completely, completely different. Mm. Yeah. And like, what about like education rates and stuff that like Ukraine, you probably are open to go down anything like the arts, law, whatever. Is it, do you have as much choice? To- yes. So in Ukraine, for example, I mean, up until now, uh, and that's one of the major reasons, I think, why one of the major reasons what Russia is trying to say why they're attacking us is because um, for example you could have a choice you could go to a Russian school or to a Ukrainian school we used to have Russian schools I think we still have them I'm not sure if we'll have them after this probably not because for obvious reasons um, and obviously I mean we don't we don't have so for example I, I have a few friends who li- live in Russia mm-hmm. who have their kids actually who go to Russian schools they have um this this military sort of idea of like war studies and you know military studies and things like that in ukraine you never had to you, you were never forced to sort of study i don't know military studies or history of invasion or you know you it, it's much more flexible i feel like in russia is much more sort of imposed but they still they, they also have like arts and law and whatever it's just very um, local Mm. It's just about Russia. In Ukraine, it's, we study the world history, we study, you know, it's more open mm-hmm. and obviously pro-European. Mm-hmm. So what are Russia's intentions with invading Ukraine? I mean, <laughs> good question. Um, they're claiming that they're protecting ethnic Russians or the Russian-speaking population in Ukraine against the Nazis who are trying to force them to I don't know do whatever learn Ukrainian they're called, use the Nazis. They're called Ukrainians the Nazis they do they do yes they oh do. my goodness that's their whole, that's their whole concept yes wow. and and they and, and Russia has like anyway it's 
<laughs> he probably does, yeah, with the swastics and everything. Because I think one of um, they have the, their main propaganda channel. I've seen some clips from it, and they say that, like for example, because in the Western world, like the gay rights are recognized. So one of their main things is that oh, we need to cleanse Europe from that impurity because you know they have gays and stuff like that. They say that, like, oh my goodness, crazy, yeah, yeah. So what do you think? the best thing people can do now, like listening to this podcast to who want to help and they just don't know where to start. Um, I think they should reach out to you <laughs> and um, maybe we can make like a little post or something to summarize it all because um, I was thinking about it myself. I think it's just too, like, I can say, okay, donate to a charity, but there's been quite a lot of, controversy about what charity is the best and what people are actually getting or not getting from different charities so I actually want to do more research myself into that mm. and maybe come up with like a list of charities that I know for a fact mm. um, have been doing things that have been known for actual help to actual people rather than because quite a lot of charities they um, it takes quite a while for them to actually deliver the money or buy things and, and you know get them and it's quite urgent so obviously donations are good but you need to check the charities that you're donating to and you need to make sure that you know there are no scandals with these charities that they're good that they're um that you know it's been proven that they're actually helping and not you know stealing the money because there have been quite a few instagram scams and things like that so number one charities number two i think it's good to just generally show that you're still supporting by making posts on social media asking around um you know just showing your support by i'm not saying that everybody should go to a protest or something like that but just showing that you are supportive is important and also if you have any special skills like for example you're doing this podcast you're helping a lot and that's your skill and that's your sort of little business like I'm a lawyer, I've helped quite a few people, uh, refugees with immigration applications to the UK and abroad. I know a few friends who work in marketing who helps by, you know, creating posts and things like that. So using your skill, but I also think if somebody genuinely wants to help by uh, listening to your podcast, they can reach out to you and you can maybe reach out to me and I'm more than happy to discuss it with anybody who is willing to. Yeah, actually, even if there's any law people similar to yourselves, who you could help mm -hmm. them what they could yeah. do. Yeah, definitely, yes yeah okay well that's it's really good and useful and i think also just for everyone to keep it in their prayers every day i think prayers are so powerful just yeah. praying for the peace of ukraine and putin comes to his senses and yeah let the war be over yeah yeah no i i really appreciate that you've been um because i know you're quite a spiritual person so i think it is important that um you and people that you know that listen to your podcast and that, um, you know, um, yeah, the, yes, they pray and they, they send that positive vibes and positive energy so that, you know, it all works. For sure. It gives strength to the people. Even if it can't be seen, I think it can be felt. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's one of the reasons why Ukraine probably has shown such a strong resistance is because sort of a lot of good people from all over the world are sending the, you know, positive vibes and supporting us. And I, I, I think that even though pe some people in Ukraine who are in horrible circumstances right now, they don't know about it, mm. but they can probably feel it on some level, I hope. Yeah, just a bit of faith or something to hold on to. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Anna, for speaking to me. Thank you, Myra. It was really, really nice. 
I really hope that you enjoyed this week's episode and it is some food for thought. It would mean the world to me if you would share this podcast on social media and let us know what your key takeaways are from this week's episode. Take care.